Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Well, folks, it's July 4th weekend. Uh, it's that time of year that I start getting excited. The time of year that, uh, especially anybody who's out there that's uh, into hunting big bucks and looking after, you know, their life is driven on, on food plots and trail cams and looking at trail cam photos. And my goodness, it's hard to tell if I had a nickel or if I had a dollar for every trail cabin photo that I've gone through in my life, you know, going through and spending the hours and times, I would definitely be a, a millionaire. There's no doubt. And that goes to a lot of the guys out there today. And, uh, but now is the time that uh, I started getting excited. I know some of the guys might have trail cams you leave out year round. That's fine. I guess it's uh, something you like to do. It's, um, but for me, I'm really about, uh, you know, kind of stay out of my areas. I want the deer to feel safe coming in there. It's kind of like uh, you scout your crop fields, just kind of like what you do with the waterfowl. When I talked in one of my uh, earlier podcasts about, you know, now's the time to go out there and start seeing what fields of corn and what you have, what fields of wheat, and start setting up your, your hunting plans and start setting up your schedule and meeting with farmers and trying to get uh, spots locked up. Well, Really, what I'm doing right now, this is the the time that, uh, you know, we were looking for crop fields, but, you know, it's, um, cornfields is good, and it's good to know cornfields when it comes to deer hunting, but if I'm in an area, and and what I'm going to talk about is the times I've scouting, uh, I like bean fields, and and coming from Michigan and basically Ohio, and I find, I found the same thing in, in the Midwest here in Iowa. You start getting in that first and second week of July when the, the the beans start coming up and they start getting a little flower head coming up on them. It's very, it's attracted and it attracts a lot of the deer in your area. Um, no matter what you seem to have around, you know, the, the, the every buck in that area is going to be heading to those bean fields and it's kind of like cotton candy to them. And now is the time that, you know, I'm not looking that I'm going to hunt. It's the time that we start searching for that particular buck or particular bucks, you know, just inventory time, I guess I would call it. And see what inventory you had in your area. It doesn't have to particularly be in the, you know, on the farm that I'm, that I'm hunting. It could be in the same section, you know, because bucks have, especially comes during the rut, he who holds the does is going to hold the bucks. So, you know, what they might be on the beans right now doesn't mean they're going to be there come, you know, first, second week of November with corn down and, and the thick area and bedding areas and stuff like that. But it's a good time to go out there and start taking inventory of what bucks you have in your in your areas. And uh, it's a good point for me. I mean, la- last night, uh, Diane and I were heading out to go take her for, go for a drive and right off the, not far from our farm, our, our place here, that uh, three bucks crossed the road. And this, the last one there looked to be a pretty good dagger. He got my heart rate and got me excited where, you know, I had to tell my wife, you know, once you once you step on it a little faster, I'd like to get up the hill and, and watch him. But uh, yeah, he was starting to sprout out good. And, and uh, he, he reminded me a lot of a buck I killed. Oh, uh, be this would be, that'd be two years ago. I shot early October, scored a uh, gross score 182. Uh, he's got, you know, in, this, in the pretty much same section, but he's got that base, that frame, and he had super nice high brow tines. And when you see, you know, a lot of guys, well, you know, 
they've still got a lot of inches to grow in, in, in tine length and, and maybe in, in antler uh, beam length, which is true. But if you see a buck right now and he, he's supporting 11-inch brow tines, that's enough. I, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he's going to be matching out there pretty good when he gets all said and done at the end of August. So this is one of those bucks. He, he, he had some super dandy uh, bladed, looks like thick brow tines bladed. And um, he was with two other bucks that were definitely, you know, it uh, wasn't even in the age class. You know, this was probably, I'm going to guess a five-year-old buck. Um, the other two looked like two-year-olds that might have been with him um, or that were with him, but might have been two-year-olds. And they were crossing from our place and heading over to the, the neighbor's beans. Now, I'm not going to go jump on my neighbor's door and start pounding his door and tell him I'd like to hunt his bean field. The neat thing about that is that it's given me, like I said, an inventory of what's in my area. So now's the time that I'm, I'm getting excited and, um, you know, getting out the domain's uh, bad habit. Um, I love trophy, uh, trophy buck um that they have i've used that for years in michigan it's just the bucks just seem to really attract to it that with a you know correlation with a trophy rock and um then using some you know i like using corn once i get them in there and start using corn to get them in there and the corn what it does it brings them back and holds them um what i find once they find your area the corn kind of holds them keeps them coming back um, as long as it's legal in your area, you know, we're not hunting over the corn. We're, we're definitely using the corn just to, to, uh, to capture photos and get our deer to start establishing and holding deer in our area. And I'm not uh, worried about the does or anything like that. That's why the minerals and the trophy rock and, and the lucky buck, excuse I said trophy buck, but it's lucky buck. <clears throat> they do a phenomenal job. It, it just seems to attract your bucks. And what I like about that and the bad habit all those have a strong aroma and what i like using that and getting established you know using that uh, lucky buck and putting it in the mineral on the ground and then start putting corn and having your corn but then i use the bad habit by um domain but the, it has strong aroma the apple smell whatever you want to use but it, it does reach you know a, a buck can smell a deer can smell for quite a ways when it comes to food supplements and any type of type of food uh, berries or any type of fruits anything it's, it captures and holds the smells that they is one of the particular uh, types of food varieties they like to eat they can smell a long ways and what i'm trying to do now i pretty much know my areas and my areas that i pick especially on our property and the properties that i hunt they're properties that i've established and i know pretty much um, my stand locations might change a little bit from here and there due to the crop rotation but pretty much when it comes to my field hunting setting my cameras up and stuff like that um it's it doesn't change a whole lot and that's where the corn and and using um lucky buck and all these others once i start establishing bringing those in um that's when i'm getting excited and i start putting up my trail camera and and, and let me get back here from the, the the days of yesteryear when we scouted you know we didn't have the trail cams which was has just been a blessing that's come but we had, you know, we would travel these bean fields in these areas that we knew using spotting scopes that would mount to our side window, or you could use a tripod or a high pair, high powered pair of binoculars 
but I try to be in a safe distance, always getting a safe distance on the road, wherever you can get from these deer. We never wanted to let the deer know that your presence was anywhere near, but we do long range uh, spotting and we hunt these bean fields down and I really wouldn't get excited. Uh, I might try to get, if it's an area that I had to drive back a little bit to sneak in, I'd sneak in and park, but uh, I'd get in there and wait for the deer, but usually it's that last uh, half hour, last 15 minutes of light that the bigger ones come. You might catch it like we did yesterday. I caught a good, he was a good one. He was out early. He was out an hour um, before dark, you know, out there. And we just had some heavy rains after a long uh, drought period. So these deer, they get out and they they're, you know, they could tell that the, the lush vegetation with all the rain, everything we had, it kind of gets them hyped up. And just like we are with all the rain uh, that we get after the drought. But that's how we kind of scouted in the past. And I know a lot of guys who are successful hunters, I'd mentioned before, before the season started, they did a lot of nighttime spotting uh, with a spotting scope. Um, that's how they did it. I never was much of a, of a nighttime spotter shining, anything like that. For one thing, I just didn't like drawing attention. I think it was a, kind of a black eye with local people around. They're always, when you see a, and I'm that way too, if I see someone shining light out in the field, number one, you know, my first defense goes up at, hey, I think somebody might be doing wrong out there. So that was how we did it in the, in the past. Today, with the blessing with the, with the trail cams, was cool. You could set the trail cams up. And, and um, I always tried to set mine up um, easy access. If I set it on a field edge, I at least tried to set it over a knoll down in a bottom, somewhere that uh, can't couldn't be spotted from the field somewhere that couldn't be shined at night from a field that, that's holding your bucks your bucks are coming in there at night and where somebody can shine across they were kind of hiding spots and if i had to go back in and keep pulling a chip on my camera it was easy access i didn't have to enter into the woods the only time that i really like to set trail cameras up and in maybe an interior of the woods if i'm actually once we get going i set my mock scrapes and, and we're, we're starting to get heavy scrape activities then i'll have a trail camera once i'm going into the woods myself to hunt and to set up to grab that chip and get out and just trying to see what activity i'm getting on that scrape and um but we've gone one step above that today and i'm so excited my daughter brooke works for tacticam and for father's day she bought me a cell camera so this this old timer here is gonna he's going and he's using the modern day i'm so excited because it's uh, i'll be able to watch this stuff you know all the young guys are showing me their their phones and um being out here in the sticks i never thought that we'd ever got good cell service but we're gonna we're gonna give it a try because i love the idea and the, the the thought that i don't have to go in and uh putting my scent down and um <clears throat> laying around and grabbing those cameras I always, when I went into my areas that to pull a chip, I always went in at noon. Areas that I figured that was uh, deer would be in more in the interior, especially in the hot. They'd lay down in the bottoms of the creek bottoms and everything like that, trying to get away into the coolness. And I would just go in and, and get my chips and get back out. The neat thing with these cell cameras, I'll be able to get pictures coming across my phone, um, being able to detect and see what hat what's what's coming in. Um, I do use corn, like I said, in, in the summer trying to, I think it's very Im imperative. Once that these deer, uh, you establish, you've got a buck coming in, you want to get pictures of him that you try to hold them to that area, but they want to, ha I want them to have, if you kind of imagine 
a positive thought of this area. I wanted to think of this area that, you know, there, that there was food here. They were never spooked. They weren't uh, hunted. They were uh, never uh, jumped in on a bedding area, never walked. They were able to bed without being jumped, which that is, the, you know, number one uh, cardinal sin of any deer hunters approaching into deer's bedding areas, and especially this time of year and once the season starts. After the, you know, the postseason, after, you know, the winter, I like going in before the spring winter, especially when the snow will melt. I'm, I might walk in, especially in a new area, to try to establish a bedding area. And, and I've always mentioned this before. I can tell by the deer clumps. If a guy is not sure about a bedding area, um, deer, you'll see deer droppings all over, and there'll be just droppings, just random droppings, but loose pellets. A lot of times when you're finding um, deer droppings and it's clumped, it's clumps of deer uh, droppings that are clumped together. That's usually the first dump they take after laying down in bed and they get up and take their first dump in the, the morning, mid-afternoon, whatever it is. And their, their, oh, their waste or their, their bile will be all clumped up together. And when you find several clumps of like this, that you, it's always established as a, as a bedding area that these deer are not you know, laying too far away. I've, I've scouted and watched deer from a distance and deer don't like to usually do anything right in their beds and stuff, but I've watched deer get up, especially in CRP fields where they're hiding. They, they might lay up there for most of the day. And I've watched them get up and walk about 20 yards and uh, defecate and then go back over and, and uh, lay back down. But that's the areas that kind of tells me, hey, this is where to stay out of. With the trail cam, like again, I, I try to get in there, but I get the, I set it up in an area where there can't be spotted. It is an edge of a field that people can't shine. It's kind of going to be a little bit hidden, but it gives me easy access getting in and getting back out. Once I have, you know, I, I've got some bucks coming in and I got several deer coming in. I'm going to hit them pretty hard with the feed and everything, even the attractants, everything that's coming in. Just keep those deer, keep coming, they keep coming. I kind of want to see those deer as they're maturing and, you know, at least until the middle of August is pretty much when they're going to be, they're pretty much going to fill right out. So you've got a good month right now that you need to spend time um, keeping those deer coming in, keeping them active onto that front of that camera and um, do what you got to keep those deer there. And the reason I said they'll always know that is that safe haven and where does come in. But once the season starts and they start trailing, looking for does, they're always going to remember these spots, even if they might be pushed out and, and leave for a little bit. When does start coming in heat and multiple does start coming in, uh, those bucks will go on, I call a gauntlet, and they'll start traveling from section to section keep looking for receptive does and this is before they start you know the peak of the rut where they're holding does down and, and all that stuff um so that's real important i like using when i talk about using my long range um i do like a spotting scope somewhere where i can get off the side and people can't see me from the road and they know what you're doing watching the field but if i can get in an area that i have uh and if you got to dress up in camo and get in spray yourself up with the mosquito dope and tick spray and everything you'll find your little location you can get in hide set up your camera and that i can set but i like i got a vortex uh, viper hd i think it is but it's a 20 by 80 uh, with an upright angled uh, eyepiece I can sit there and, and anything about that, is, it allows me, the more power that you can have under your, your optics, the, the further away that I can create a safe buffer and to be able to watch these deer and I call a safety zone. 
And um, so I can watch particular bucks. I can watch, and you'll start identifying particular bucks just from the, the uniqueness of each antler and each, uh, whether they have drop tines, the brow tines, like I mentioned on this buck I saw last night. You know, they're going to have individual characteristics that you can just, you'll be able to pick out as they go. And it helps, you know, identify. And I'll know pretty much um, through the trail cams and everything, 90% of the bucks that I'm going to see during the fall. And you will have those bucks that, uh, you know, if you leave your area open and keeping the does and having does, you know, whether you got food plots, whatever, to hold the does in, you know, those bucks, you're going to bring some outside bucks and hopefully a good dagger that's going to be coming in and, and looking for receptive does. But uh, I use the spotting scope. I also have a pair of uh, Zeiss. I think they're 15 by 60 uh, binoculars. They're a big set of Zeisses I bought years ago. Very handy. The only thing about those, you can keep them in the truck. And as I'm driving, I just happen to see a quick, uh, you know, catch a quick deer. You can always grab them. They're, they're accessible. I can pick them up. You still get the clarity and have the power on them to uh, pull up. Um, I really don't use, I use 10 by 50, uh, 10 by 42s, I think they are, when I'm bow hunting and, and deer hunting and stuff like that. But I choose when I'm, like I said, when I'm scouting and, and watching these deer from in the summer months, I try to use a higher power optic. And again, that higher power allows me to get, you know, a, a further and longer safe distance. I'm going to talk about the cameras, how I set up cameras. I might set them up a little bit different than the average guy. Um, years ago, before we had the infrared cameras, uh, we, we had the cameras, the first trail cameras had the big light flash that would go off and there'd be times I'd sit there and from the house I could look out in the woods and watch the flash go off knowing I was getting a picture of something you know walking out there um even back then when we set our cameras I set my cameras up above more than an eye level I tried to sum up above the deer's eye level and kind of face downward just a little bit and deer naturally um and I watched our horses uh, when lightning and, and the, the comes, it hits the sky and stuff. Our animals that are outside, they're used from light flash from up above. And I found with deer that the bucks didn't seem to bother them and not uh, spook when that flash that came, you know, would go off from up above them. And I've noticed even with the infrared, and I've talked to some other good bow hunters, that it was very rarely did I get pictures of big bucks continuously, especially at night. In the daytime, if you had it hidden well and stuff, you know, you'd get by. Uh, you could get get away with things with big bucks coming in and, and setting your video and getting some great pictures and maybe catching them again. But something about that nighttime is what really educates deer to the awareness of the camera that's going on. And the immature deer, I don't think they seem to pay much. They're more of a curiosity fact of anything. You'll get noses and everything. But even that infrared... Um, whether there's a sound in that camera, but when you hold it eye level, I think there's a little red dot or something that something that goes into that camera and you'll start seeing those deer, you know, as soon as it took that picture, you got those bright eyes and, and everything and that deer's looking right at the camera. And um, I think big bucks, especially um, if they're in an area they're getting a little bit of pressure, I think they learn to avoid those cameras. And I've talked, like I said, good hunters before, when they stopped getting pictures of deer, on their in front of the trail cameras they'd catch them um you know if they did get a picture of that buck on the second or third time they'd be on an off trail like they were walking around the trail camera 
And, they, you know, coyotes, I've been told, are about the same way. They're, they're smart and leery, and they kind of pick up on that, too. And it's usually at night you don't catch the same um, pictures of, of coyotes in front of that camera. They start avoiding that. So what I kind of do with my cameras, I, I like to set my cameras up above eye level if I can. Shim whatever if I can shim. That's why I use the screw-ins on my camera so I can screw into that tree. And I angle my camera down a little bit. So hopefully when those the deer that are coming in, they come in on that, a mineral, they come on that corn, their head is down. And I've always wanted to get the side picture of them. So... You know, it's to me, I've it's helped me. I think I get more successful pictures of a uh, of, of mature deer that they don't figure it out. Dude, you take a young deer who's not the smartest in the woods and they're sticking their nose in the camera. They found the camera. And next thing you know, you got your center on the camera and, and everything like that. If you just go in, I'm not hounding deer trails. I'm not hounding uh, you know, walking on a deer trail. If I have deer trails or anything, I'll zigzag and walk back and forth. Uh, deer are a predator. Um, they're being pre they're pre animals of prey, and they pretty much have a pretty good instinct to know that when they're being hounded, or something is on their trail. And I think that helped. You know, they'll come leery of that. So I've always kind of zigzagged. And I know in Michigan, when baiting was legal in Michigan, even in season, that I kind of made the the fact that the deer started relating my scent with the corn or whatever you're using with with your scent not being hunted and back in in the days of earlier days in michigan you know i'd watch the adult doe would come in with her fawns and she'd pick up my trail or pick up my scent that i'd been there but she didn't she'd she'd always be looking out in the field she didn't start looking up in the trees looking for a bow hunter she'd be looking out in the field now that my scent was kind of strong but she'd be looking out there in the field that knowing that that was where i was approaching that's where i was leaving and once she felt that everything was safe, of course, her fawns would go up to the to the corn. But I think once she determined it was safe, I wasn't in the woods at that time, she would relax. And the bucks did the same thing. Even on food plots, you walk in the edge of the food plots if you can, trying to stay out with my scent in the middle of the food plot, uh, maybe going to a tree, you know, where I'm looking wherever my camera's at, and then I, I go exactly back out. If I do have to go back in, and I mentioned this about when I cut my stands out, if you and, you know, if you're especially if you're gonna do early season, start cutting your stands and setting stands. But in season and just before the season, I always wait for just before the rain, or right in the beginning of a rain. It might be starting a light rain. I'll go in. That's the time I'll walk in because what that does, that rain washes my scent right out of there. About that, your scent could probably stay in there without any rain or anything. It can almost stay a week inside there and even if you think you're carrying um, some of the rubber boots your pants and everything else still stick and catches on twigs and can hold scent for a while i have rubber boots that go on with these like a rain bib that i'll wear in and i still spray that with a with a scent away spray over my boots and over this rain this rubber but it covers my pants it covers my shirt isn't tucked inside this thing so as i'm going in if i have to go in and get close and i'm touching brush even touching the beans or anything that's growing up a lot of that my scent is being touched you know on the rubber of it and not just the human skin touching anything to help try to keep eliminate what scent i can in there because i just again when hunting a trophy animal i don't think that they put up with it as much and we'll accept it they're wanting to get deer more relaxed and coming in that area and feeling good about this area 
that's what I do to go in there. And it's, it seemed to work year after year. But like I said, now's the time to get excited. It's going out there doing your long-range scouting. But I'm excited to see how this, this cellular attack cam works out and seeing catching my photos off the phone and not being able to go in as much. Even in the summer, I'm paying as much attention to my scent as I do during the season of hunting. When I work around my scrapes, I have all this on, uh, especially making my mock scrapes, and we'll start that here probably the first August, which is really cool. And whatever product you use, uh, I like Pure Whitetail. They, they work well. There's other products out there, but when you start your mock scrapes, you know, to tell that you're set and everything you're doing, you know, I've started, I had to, you know, whatever mineral you started, you had a mineral site, you had corn, start adding the mock scrapes later on in the season, and you'll see once they start utilizing this, they'll set, they'll hit, they'll start taking over that scrape, but they'll also will start rubbing. There'll, there'll be rubs that'll appear all around your stand, and that means that. You know, I've, I've created the right attraction. I've created their attention. I've got their curiosity up. I've got their their um, natural senses going of, uh, you know, dough coming in. You know, there's buck urine here. And I don't use any of the dough urine, not until later in the season. Everything I use, whether it's in the summer, mock scrapes, everything has been buck urine. And try to get everything, what I call the pure buck urine. But I put that right in the scrapes. I use stuff on the overhead. I make overhead I got a little uh, bracket that can screw into the tree and I'll use actually a, a wooden dowel that comes out and then I'll just zip tie brush that I cut and branches to make my own overhanging branches and just start your scrapes and just start getting the bucks working in that area and getting excited trying to you know I'm trying to get as much buck activity as I can in there. I'm kind of blessed in the area I have, I have low population, human population, hunter population. If I spot a buck, I'll come back a night or two, see if he's there again. If he is there again, I'll go in the area I can hunt, set up a trail cam, maybe try to get some areas that are just kind of looking for rubs. But uh, right now, it, I'm just I'm trying to be as inspicuous as I can. Now, you guys who are in the heavier areas, don't post things on social media of your bucks and the trail cam pictures you're getting, especially in the fields that can be used with um, landmarks because you're advertising the other guys who might be able to hunt that area, a bucks that's in your area. I've just always been kind of uh, pri private on that, keep that sightings to myself, try to keep it uh, you know, low key as possible. It's tough out there. It's not that I'm trying to be arrogant or rude to people. It's just I'm, I'm private. And uh, the big bucks out there, they, you know, they're very far few in between and respect that, that the, the, of their wisdom, their knowledge and, and their their craftiness. We all know that any buck that is unpressured is going to be a lot easier to hunt and, and to pattern than a buck that is pressured and has been uh, sighted a few times. You know that if he's out in the field and your car stop pulls up and the deer are already taken off running. You know that these deer have been looked at quite a bit or been shined at a bit. They've been harassed. And uh, good luck to you guys. I hope you enjoy this. Got any questions about uh, scouting bucks here in the summer months, uh, reach out to me in Facebook. You can reach out to my email, G-E-O-D-Lynch -E at gmail.com. You can email me questions. Uh, if you have any questions about how to set up in your area, how should I go after a certain buck that you've watched, you know, yeah, reach out to me, man. I'd be more than happy to help you. I've spent over, oh gosh, 45 years of hunting, hunting deer with a bow. And I've been pretty serious at it, just like I've been with the waterfowl.
I've been lucky a few times. An old man once told me, he says, luck, you know what it stands for? He says, stands for living under Christ's kingdom. And I always kind of agreed with that, but I believe the, the successful people who are out there, they have a system, they have a pattern, and they're very dedicated and they work at it. And always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there rain shining All a part of the great design Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of